When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and our pal, Eric Gilland, is back. Hello, Eric. Hi, Rob. It's great to be back. All right. Uh, this song that we're talking about is Went to See the Gypsy. Now, this is kind of a new thing for the show for several reasons. First of all, this is from the album New Morning, and this is the first song from that album we've gotten to on the podcast. We'll talk a little bit about the history of that album in particular uh, shortly. And the other thing I think that is sort of different about this song and in terms of the ones that we've covered on the show is accepting the Woolberry songs. I would say this is the first song that we've covered that's probably entirely upbeat. Uh, there's no there's no sadness. There's no sarcasm. There's no kind of doom and gloom. This is, to me, just a happy song about someone – getting to meet uh, an idol, a creative idol in some way, or at least someone of an inspiration, and then taking that inspiration back with them into their lives. And so it's, it's an incredibly cheery song. Uh, is that, is that kind of why you wanted to talk about this one, Eric? Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, the whole album is um, really upbeat, you know, and it's an interesting time in, in Dylan's um, life and career. And, yeah, so it definitely is a, a, a change of pace from – a lot of his other songs that get a lot of mentions, right? <laughs> yeah. That's interesting about yeah, New Morning. You're right. New Morning is entirely a pretty happy album. For people who aren't terribly familiar with it, a little bit of context for, for New Morning is that in 1970, mid-1970, Bob released the double album Self-Portrait, which was, despite the name, uh, kind of a mishmash of covers, some good, some really terrible uh, a couple of originals mixed in, some live recordings. It really was just, uh, as Dylan himself called it in an interview, a big pile of crap. And uh, <laughs> it was the first album of, of Dylan's career that was not greeted with basically universal acclaim. And in fact, uh, there's a famous uh, Rolling Stone review of the album, and, and, and it started off with, uh, what is this shit? So it was not received very well. And right on the heels of that, just a couple of months later, Bob released the New Morning album. So he had two new albums in uh, one year, which is pretty rare for him. I think he's only done that once or twice before, uh, once or twice since. Uh, and a lot of people tended to think that New Morning was done as kind of a, almost like an apologia to his fans. You know, that it was like, oh, gee, sorry. All right, yeah, that was terrible. Here's a, here's a new here's an album of all new songs. You'll like this one better. But that isn't the case because uh, records have uh, indicated that Bob was working on New Morning almost simultaneously as Self Portrait, and he had a very specific thing in mind for Self Portrait and a very specific thing in mind for New Morning. And basically, as Self Portrait was finished and then handed over to engineers to sort of compile, that's when he really kind of polished off New Morning. So he had always he, he always had an intention of putting these two albums out fairly close to one another. One is not a reaction to the other, exactly. But this is when Bob was living in Woodstock. 
He was married to his wife, Sarah, and they were producing children. Uh, they ended up making uh, four children over that time, and then there was an adopted daughter from Sarah's previous marriage. And so he was a very happy guy. He, this was maybe his most content period. Who knows what goes on in his life now? But uh, he was very happy, and New Morning reflects that. It, almost all the songs are very upbeat. Uh, some of them are little throwaways, if dogs run free, for instance. Uh, it's a very piano-driven album. Uh, it's Dylan really taking the lead on, on piano as opposed to guitar. Um, I would argue probably the most famous song off of it at this point is If Not For You, which he did with George Harrison. Uh, the Man In Me was used in The Big Lebowski. That was a big moment where that song was used there. Uh, I remember the song Sign on the Window was used in an episode of Friends. Uh, and I, I watched Friends as it aired, and I remember it hearing the first, like I literally heard the first two tinkling of the piano keys in the scene, and I was like, what? I was like a dog, you know, that saw a squirrel. I was like, that's Sign on the Window. Wow, they're, they're using an obscure Dylan song on a Friends episode. But uh, we're, anyway, we're not here to talk about any of those. We're here to talk about Went to See the Gypsy. For most people... This song is about Bob meeting Elvis. Bob's one of Bob's few idols was Elvis Presley. And supposedly, this is about him meeting Elvis. Uh, where we got that story is is from the one of the guitarists on the track, which is Ron Cornelius, who said in an interview many years later that Dylan told him in person that this song is about meeting Elvis. And over the years, Dylan has given interviews that suggest that that's not true. He never met Elvis. But whether the song is literally about meeting Elvis or metaphorically meeting Elvis, it's about meeting Elvis. And it's about, you know, again, meeting someone who's your hero or getting to engage with someone who comes in and is an inspiration to you. Isn't that, isn't that how you, is that your sort of read on it, Eric? Yeah, definitely. That's sort of how I've always read, read the song. I think when I first heard this song on the album, when he mentions, you know, Las Vegas, just... Elvis immediately comes to mind. You know, this was in, when Elvis was doing all those shows there. And yeah, so that immediately brought that imagery to mind. And, you know, I guess I assumed it was true when I first heard the song that, oh, obviously, you know, Dylan had, I know, you know like, he'd met everybody. He'd met Johnny <laughs> Cash and all of his heroes. So I figured, well, I'm sure he met Elvis at, at some point. But, but I know later on in interviews, Dylan did say that he actually never met Elvis. So we, you know, we get some contradiction in, in whether it's true or not, but whether that even matters, you know, I, I don't know if it even matters really. But, but yeah, that's kind of how I always read the song is Dylan, you know, um, you know, paying homage to, to one of his, one of someone who inspired him, you know, just like he did with um, Woody Guthrie on, on the first album. Right, so, right. yeah, that's definitely how I always how I always kind of read the song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it opens up. It's very enigmatic. It's a short song. It's only four verses. Uh, it's, it's oddly structured in that the first and last verses are eight lines each. Uh, the third verse is four lines, and then the second verse is ten lines. So uh, I was reading some analyses of the song, and people said it seems that that by, because the second verse is so much long, not so much, but the but the fact that the second verse is longer than the other verses, it seems to suggest that there's something important going on. But maybe, maybe not. And the song opens with the title says "Went to see the gypsy, staying at a big hotel." He smiled when he saw me coming, and he said, "Well, well, well." His room is dark and crowded. Lights were low and dim. How are you? He said to me. I said it back to him. 
I mean, that certainly sounds like meeting Elvis, you know, in a, in a hotel room with all these people around and the curtains are probably drawn. It's interesting that Dylan doesn't suggest much of a conversation happened here. How are you? He said to me, I said it back to him. Well, all right. So, <laughs> nothing terribly profound is being said here. Uh, but then the second verse, and this is the second verse is my favorite part, which says, I went into the lobby to make a small call out. A pretty dancing girl was there and she began to shout, go on back to see the gypsy. He can move you from the rear, drive you from your fear, bring you through the mirror. He did it in Las Vegas, and he can do it here. And I, I love that verse. I love the, 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 the quote from the dancing girl, uh, the idea that whoever it is in your life is your gypsy. Whoever, whether it's a musician, mm-hmm. an actor, whatever, this person can get you through a hard time. And, you know, in specifically talking about Elvis... Like everybody's kind of talking about that the you know like the Vegas Elvis is kind of the cheesy Elvis, the chintzy Elvis, but and so the dancing girl is saying if he did it in Las Vegas, he can do it here. It's like if you can do it in Vegas, you can do it anywhere. You know if he can if he can produce something meaningful to you in the chintz palace of Las Vegas, he can do it anywhere. And I I love that verse. I never tire of hearing. Plus I love the rhyme scheme that everything ends with the ear. You know rear fear mirror and here. But I, I, I don't know. That's my favorite part. I just like that idea that, that there is someone in your life creatively who can do that for you. And I, I don't know. I just, it, it's like for such a simple song, to me, that's very profound. Yeah, I, I agree, too. The, the imagery is so striking. I, I, what is, this song just kind of sucks you in right away. Like You just feel like you're in the world of this song. You know, like the imagery, the pretty dancing girl shows up and everything yeah so it really puts you in that world and it might reflect to possibly you know dylan trying to look way ahead at this point in his life like his life has changed so much and you know it's looking to like like you said one of his one of his um big inspirations was elvis and you know kind of getting the 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 courage to to move forward you know on with his with his creative endeavors you know and yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. I, I love that second verse. Yes. <laughs> it's interesting you say that, that. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, that could be kind of Dylan looking into his future and being like, hey, someday I might be a Vegas act too. Doesn't mean I'm bad. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, doesn't mean that I'm lame. And I mean, good Lord, Dylan has toured for another 45 years <laughs> after this song was recorded. And, you know, he's played Vegas. He's played kind of these, you know, place. he's done commercials you know, he's probably done a lot of stuff that he wouldn't imagine, and I guess he's sort of almost like a self, a pre-self-defense, you know, kind of like, hey, you know, and again, he's talking about his own hero. I mean, Dylan has said about Elvis that his favorite cover of any song of his that's ever been done, which is, you know, staggering considering how many Dylan covers have been, was Elvis's cover of Tomorrow is a Long Time. He has said that that is his favorite cover of all time, and, you know, whether that, I've heard that, I don't know whether it's, I wouldn't put it on my top 10 favorite Dylan covers, but I would imagine that if you grew up worshiping Elvis and then Elvis covers one of your songs, that's pretty much it. You know, you're like, I've done it. I've reached everything I could possibly need to do when my hero is covering one of my songs. That's interesting, too. Yeah, I've seen there's a lot of, you know, I've seen clips of Elvis doing that song, which is interesting. If it's a song that never really appeared on a Dylan album, I think it it came up on one of the greatest hits, I believe. Yes, correct. Yeah. Which is interesting that Elvis, something, whatever, whatever it was about that song that Elvis liked and, and decided to, to perform, 
Yeah, that's that's interesting too. And and further, you know, with Dylan, you know, like I think I remember some quote he said in an interview, like he said where he said, "Well, hey, you know, I might be playing Vegas someday." And <laughs> and in some ways, it, it came to pass because I know, like, when Elvis passed away, by all reports, Dylan was really um, upset. Yes. You know, when um, he when Elvis passed away. And then in his next tour, which was around, I think, the street legal era, you know, Dylan was wearing jumpsuits and he was kind of doing these, these kind of lounge act, you know, performances of, of, um, his, his own songs, these kind of drastic rearrangements. So I don't know, like, yeah, the Elvis connection continues throughout, throughout the decade. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. He did that whole at Budokan album. People accused Dylan of going Vegas because he had the girl backup singers and was singing kind of unusual, kind of poppy arrangements of a lot of his songs. So yeah, I'm. It, it's funny to think that like I've read, you know, like you just talked about. I've read that when Dylan heard the news of Elvis's passing, he basically went away from wherever he was and disappeared for several days. Just was incommunicado. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember. I don't know how old you are, Eric, so I don't know if you... Are you old enough to remember Elvis when Elvis died, or were you too young for that? No, I was born in 79, so oh, okay, I okay, so you I missed, missed it that. entirely, right? Yeah. Okay. I was old enough. I Actually, Elvis died on my birthday, and so I wow. remember where I was. We were on our, our in our vacation cabin, and the news came over the radio uh, that Elvis Presley had died, and my mother just went into an absolute tizzy. And just, oh, my God, oh, my God. And she ran into <laughs> she ran into the bathroom where my father was getting a shower. And she's like, John, John. And he's like, what, what, what? And he's like, Elvis died. And my dad's like, and? You know, <laughs> so it's like it didn't really <laughs> register with Dad as that, as that big of an event. But I remember where I was. I remember standing there and watching my mom just completely lose her mind at that news. And so there, there aren't too many other than when I've been at a concert, at, at a Dylan concert. I'm not able to sort of match up where Bob was on the planet at any given moment when I was in the planet, but I know at that moment, like, you know, okay, he disappeared for several days right when I was having my birthday and hearing about Elvis died. It's a sad memory to think about, but it's one of the few times I can sort of peg and say, oh, I don't know what he was doing. He was very, and, you know, I've read interviews with musicians that he's worked with, and even as late as Time Out of Mind, uh, he would talk to the musicians out in the parking lot when they needed a break about Elvis records. So, I mean, he never got over it. He, he's always worshipped this guy. And so, you know, uh, you could see why, if you did, in fact, meet him, why it was such a huge deal. And so then there's a short verse. It says, outside the lights were shining on a river of tears. I watched them from the distance with the music in my ears, which is, again, I love that's a beautiful imagery, you know, to see the music yeah. in your ears. And then it ends with, I went back to see the gypsy. It was nearly early dawn. The gypsy's door was open wide, but the gypsy was gone. And that pretty dancing girl, she could not be found. So I watched that sun come rising from that little Minnesota town. And it's the last line that, to me, really sort of pushes the song in a whole other strata. Because now Dylan has sort of gone back in time to where he's referring to clearly that little Minnesota town. He's talking about Hibbing. He's talking about his hometown where he listened to Elvis on the radio. So... All of a sudden, this song is jumping back to 1955, so the song sort of becomes this circle where here's Bob meeting Elvis, and then all this stuff's happening. He goes to visit Elvis one more time. Elvis has gone. He's moved on. And so now we're winding all the way back to 1955 where Bob will be listening to Elvis records. So it's like, for, what, for, for what seems like a simple song, 
it becomes kind of lyrically complex there in that final line. Yeah, it's a great final verse. And you're right, Dylan rarely gets autobiographical, you know, in his music, like references to any, like, you know, literal reference to his past. And for him to do that in this song, you're right, it just takes the song in a whole other direction. And it's, it's just a great shift in imagery at the end and kind of just adds a... Uh, another layer of, of significance to, to the song. Yeah, yeah definitely. I can, I can picture a little chubby-faced Bobby Dylan listening to the radio, you know, listening to all these crazy records and just worshipping worshiping Elvis. Uh, in fact, uh, another re- reference I can think about is that, right again, right around the time of Time Out of Mind, when Bob got sick and he was hospitalized from that histoplasmosis <laughs> thing, uh, his quote was something like, he thought he was going to be joining Elvis soon. So, you know, I mean, he's kind of, it's, it's, it's always on his mind. This guy's always on, on Dylan's mind. Now, uh, Eric, I get the sense that this song is much more beloved to you and I than it is to Bob because the number of times Bob has played this live, zero. He's never played yeah. this song live. This song was recorded, put on New Morning, and then basically forgotten. Occasionally, uh, apparently it, is, it has been pulled out at... Um, uh, what's the word? I'm like rehearsals, but never actually okay. performed. And in fact, the one time I can I can I know for a fact that it was mentioned was I, I read uh, one of his band at some point were given the, the Dylan lyrics book and were asked. You know, they basically were given. You know, hey, dig through some songs if you want to hear. You know, ask Bob if there's some particular song you want to hear. And one of his musicians, like in the mid '90s, said, "Oh, I want to hear When to See the Gypsy," and so. They apparently did it in rehearsals, but it never made it into concert. So, you know, Bob, forever, however Bob feels about this song, he obviously doesn't feel like it's worth performing in concert. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's just like, I'm done. Yeah, you know, we, yeah. It's yeah. on the record. I'm done with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a shame because I think it's a beautiful little song. Um, it's, it's a song that I never get tired of. There's lots of stuff on New Morning that I am like, yeah, if dogs weren't free, really? Okay. But uh, this one, this was probably my favorite favorite song on the on the album, at least um, as recorded. And so I think it's I think it's terrific. I mean, when did you first did you discover it? Just when you got bought New Morning? Yeah, I, that's when I discovered it. Yeah, because it was kind of I always considered it like an obscure album before I bought it, and I bought it, and I just really liked it. You know, it's a fast listen. It's only about what thirty five minutes or or so, so you can listen to it quite easily and. The songs are pretty short, you know, and yeah, and it actually reminds me, still reminds me today, like, it's one of the few albums that kind of has a, a Beatles feel to it, like it's, like Dylan kind of doing like these McCartney-type pop songs, it's, hmm. that's what brings it brings it to mind for me, and I feel like, you know, George Harrison was involved in some of the making of this record, but it's it's like one of the few albums where Dylan is doing like kind of like these short little, I guess you call it his version of a pop song. I don't know if did, did you ever pick that up listening to it? No, I've never. I I am a terrible. I, I know nothing about music. You know what I mean. So unless somebody really, sure. unless someone really copies uh, a song, uh, I I don't hear it. Uh, the the only one I think I've ever come up with literally on my own is a, ironically again with the Dylan song. There's an, a very obscure Bob Dylan song called Yonder Comes Sin, which was done around the slow train coming era. And it's never been uh-huh. released. It's never been, it's, it exists only as bootleg. Apparently it was going to be put on the bootleg series and Dylan himself personally nixed it. 
and uh, the riff is Jumping Jack Flash. It is totally the jumping, and it's the only time I can ever think of where I went. I know that. I know what that riff. That's a riff. That's the riff from Jumping Jack. But otherwise, I don't hear this stuff at all. So I'm I'm really curious as to how this sounds like a Beatles song to you. Well, it reminds me, you know, like I said, I'm not a music expert either, so I'm not, you know, I can't really talk about theory and, and, and chord progressions and, and, and things like that. But I don't know, it always reminds me more in theme, maybe, because especially like Paul McCartney's first album, I think it was just called McCartney, which is a very kind of laid back, homespun album that kind of celebrating like rural life and all this. And Dylan is kind of doing that in New Morning, too. It's just sort of like these songs, you know, one of the songs he talks about, you know, getting a cabin in Utah and going fishing all day. So there is, like, this this, this sort of, like, ease to it, like, yes, yeah, so let's get back to to the roots and everything. So I, I always thought those two albums kind of complement each other well, the McCartney album and, and the, the Dylan album, you know. Interesting. So, you know, that's just me. That's just me kind of projecting my own, you know, connections to these to these records, you know. And, and you know, it is true. George Harrison was, you know, he and Dylan were kind of playing playing off and on during this time. So, right. I don't know. I guess that's just me kind of um, making that connection. Huh, interesting. I mean, it's certainly, as you mentioned, Harrison helped work on New Morning, and so, yeah, and they were big influences on each other. It's it's unusual to hear Bob sound so happy. It just is. You know, I mean, if you see pictures of him from the time, he's smiling, He's he's got his, you know, I mean, he was making the basement tapes with those guys, and uh, he was making the, having kids, and just sort of enjoying his life. And so, uh, you can hear that reflected in these songs. And so I say, I, I think went to, went to the gypsy is just terrific. And uh, I love the idea that there is somebody, you know, there's a couple of people that Dylan really looked up to when he himself is the person, most people, you know, he's, he's usually in the other position, people looking up to him, but here he is looking up to, to Elvis. And it's, and again, if he never literally met Elvis, it doesn't really matter. You know, uh, it's, it's more about, um, the, the idea of it and and uh you know i but i'm betting that he did meet elvis because i'm betting that ron cornelius spoke out of turn <laughs> and dylan felt the need to cover up a little his tracks uh, no pun intended so he's like oh no, no i never met i never met elvis that never happened so but uh, yeah like i you know i heard another story too with elvis you know where dylan said where he did have the opportunity to meet elvis at one point i don't know where this maybe it was in los angeles and but dylan said well you know he had the Memphis Mafia and the hangers on around them, and Dylan said, "Like I didn't really want to meet him under those circumstances, so he just decided not to to meet. So that just add another piece of the puzzle, I guess, to that to that mystery, you know. So, people, I don't know. People do say, you know, you shouldn't meet your heroes because you know they might not be what you need them to be, and it might be very disappointing. And and so. You know, I, I don't. I don't know. Like, what's Eric? Have you ever thought about it? I mean, do, would you ever want to meet Bob in some circumstance? Yeah, I, yeah. I was actually thinking about that today, um, before talking about the song, and like, I want to say no. Like, it would be just so strange to to meet Dylan. You know, like, like what would you say? You know, I, I mean, but part of me too is curious. Like, you know, maybe, um, who knows? Maybe you could have a a conversation with Dylan and who knows where it would go. Like I was thinking today, like if, if that happened, like maybe I would like bring up movies 
because I know Dylan likes movies, right. and I can talk about movies, and maybe that would be a way in. I mean, that's like that's all I got, you know, because I'm not going to ask him about, so what was it like to <laughs> record like a Rolling Stone with you, like a Chris Farley interview, if you remember from Saturday Night Live. You remember Highway 61? That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was awesome, yeah, so... I would not ask him about music, so maybe movies. Like maybe we could have a chat about movies, and and that would be it. I, yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting idea. Yeah, that, I would be afraid that that's what would happen to me. And the close, and I was about to say the closest I've ever come, which is ridiculous. I never came ever close, but. Uh, there was a time in the 90s, right after I went to art school, that I was making regular trips up to Columbia Records to show my work around. And because mm-hmm. I, I was, I wanted to do CD designs, you know, I wanted to do graphic design. And I managed to get interviews with a lot of the art directors up there at, at, at uh, Columbia Records slash Sony Music. And in fact, in the lobby of the art department, they have a giant poster of Bob. And so that was exciting to sit there and just be looking at the poster. And uh, I actually interviewed with someone at Sony that has worked on some of Dylan's records. Uh, in fact, I forget the guy's name, but he worked. He's credited on the um, MTV Unplugged sleeve for the graphic design. And I remembered, I remembered thinking I would never want to meet Dylan in any other context because I would become like, as you just said, Chris Farley. Except <laughs> if, like, let's say I get a job at Columbia Records, you know, and let's say I get lucky enough to rise up in the company and, and, and work on a Dylan record. Maybe you get to meet him like that. You know what I mean? And like there I would want to meet him because I would be on some, like on some microbial level meeting him on his own, on his own level. You know what I mean? Like I'd be meeting him creative person to creative person, not a fan, you know, even though I am a fan, I would be like, well, we're here to talk, you know, kind of business. Now I know none of that was ever going to happen, but I let my, I, as I sat there and talked to the guy, I let my mind wander and say, well, that, that would be probably the ideal way to meet him because it would be, you know, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, you're so awesome. I would be like, well, what do you think of this designer? What do you think of this? As if Dylan comes into the, you know, comes into the building to serve, you know, to uh, single-handedly or like, uh, you know, to hands-on, you know, review album cover art. But, you know, what the hell? That, I let my mind wander at the time. It was very exciting. Yeah, like in a professional capacity, yeah, you know, that would exactly. be a good way to, to meet him. Yeah, but, I mean, you hear these, you know, Dylan doesn't suffer fools. And you just hear all these stories over the years where I'm sure he's left a lot of fans unhappy. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah. And, you know, and that would just be devastating to, like, yeah. have Bob, you know, like, you know, get dissed by Bob. I don't know if. That would be hard to live down. Yeah, yeah, that would be it would be very upset. I'm I'm happy to see him up on the stage from far away. That's that's, mm-hmm. good, that's good enough. That's good enough. So, uh, I think that's going to do it for went to see the gypsy. Eric, thank you once again for coming on, man. I I you know I you sent me a list of songs and this one like they were all good. They're all fun to talk about. This one really jumped out at me because again, new morning. We haven't done new morning, and I just love this song. I think it's just terrific. So thank you for coming on again. Oh, thanks, Rob. Thanks again for um, inviting me back. Yeah, thank you. All right. Where can people find you on the Internet? Well, I keep a blog. Um, I've been going through um, all the Dylan albums and kind of um, reviewing each album and kind of writing some commentary for, for each album. And that website is epatrickalbumreviews.blogspot.com. So if anyone's interested, they can go there and they can 
take a look at some more reviews. I'm I'm working on Love and Theft right now. Okay, that one's right. kind of taking a while. That's a there's a lot to work through. <laughs> yeah, album, so. yeah, there is. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, we'll have that link in the show notes. So everybody, if you're a Dylan fan, and I assume you are because you're listening to the show, go over to uh, Eric's uh, website and check it out. There's a lot of good stuff there, a lot of good analysis on, on these albums. So thank you uh, once again. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until, I guess, the next episode, we will see you later. Bye. I went down to the lobby To make a small call out Pretty dancing girl was there and she began to shout.